We ask, Lord Jesus, that um, you would help us to hear your word as it's spoken to us, God, to hear not just with our ears, but with our minds and with our hearts as well, Lord God. And um, Lord, we just pray that you would guide us into this word this morning and teach us what you desire to teach us, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. God bless you. We're going to take a look at this passage together today. It talks about two points, being humble and being generous. And these two things uh, Jesus puts together. So we're going to talk about each one of them separately and why Jesus puts them together in this story. And I'm just going to check really quick with my uh, sound guy. Do I need to not stand in front of these speakers? That I'm good? Okay. All right. I'm going to move around, and hopefully your ears will not be blasted out by anything. Amen. All right. So um, in the first part of what Jennifer read for us, there's a, a story that Jesus gives. And the occasion of the story is that Jesus is at a house having dinner. And he notices how everybody's trying to get the best seat in the house. Everybody's trying to jockey for position, as it were. And he uses the example of going to a wedding feast where people are set up, you know, according to how their honor is. And people want to be in certain seats. And so I don't know that we really have that today. I mean, I guess when we go to a wedding feast, a reception, there are assigned tables, right? And so like, the, you know, the bride and the groom get the special spot. And so we know that a little bit. But you kind of go where you're assigned, right? And, and maybe sometimes you feel some kind of way if you're not at table two and you're down at table 22. You know, whatever it is, you know. But I'm always like, you know, I, I don't care, you know, as long as the food's the same, right? As long as you get in. We don't necessarily understand exactly what it's like. Uh, but I feel like when I went to Africa a few years ago, I had a chance to actually uh, experience this parable in real life. I shared with you a couple weeks ago that I went to the Comoros Islands and I shared about a meal that I had um, with Jean there. And, and so I, I want to continue with another story. After we had our meal with John, John said, um, listen, there's a wedding. Some of my relatives, I forget if it was cousins or nieces or nephews, they're having a wedding on the other side of the island. Would you guys go and represent me at this wedding? Would you, like, go in my place? And I was like, oh, wow, that would be, of course, we're all excited, man. We're going to go to this wedding, right? And it was on the other side of the island. And the island's a big volcano, okay, so you can't, like, drive right across the island because it's a volcano in the middle. So we had to go around it a little bit. It took a couple hours to get there. And, of course, there's all-day celebrations, you know. It's like, it's like people know how to party, man. But I can just confess that's just the greatest thing about me escaping Midwest life when I was growing up, you know. I mean, all we had was, like, cake and weird little mints after a wedding. Like, there was no reception. There was no party. And I'm like, oh, man, I got to the East Coast. I got to New York. I started interacting with other cultures. And, and other cultures other than, you know, we're called white bread for a reason. I'm just going to be vulnerable this morning. Like, we don't know how to party. We don't know how to celebrate. So we go to this, this, uh, this wedding. And, of course, the country is Islamic, so it's a Muslim wedding. But there's, there's stuff going on all day long. Like, it's all day. We went from house to house, all kinds of things. There was a soccer game going on, and I don't know if that was part of the wedding or not, but it felt like it. And then there was, like, just everything. So, um, so I wanted to dress up for this wedding, right? So I wanted to, I wanted to like, dress up. And, and in their culture, in the Muslim culture, the men wear, you know, these long robes, and they wear a prayer hat, right? And I'm like, I don't want to act like, you know, I'm one of them when I'm not. Like, I don't want to do the whole full robe. But I'm like, can I just wear the prayer hat, right? Can I just put on the prayer hat? People are like, oh, that would be great. That would be awesome. So what I did was I decided I put on my little prayer hat. There I am. I got my nice shirt on, right? I'm ready to go to the wedding, right? I'm like, dude, I'm going to be styling at this wedding because I got the prayer hat and I got the nice shirt on. And we're going to go to this wedding. So we get to this evening celebration. And come to find out 
the whole wedding is like days long. Like we're, we're only there for like one part of it. And so this part of it, it's this pavilion that's probably twice as big as this hall, okay? So I just mean that there's like a covering, right? And there's people sitting in chairs like this, maybe twice as big as this. And there's probably like four or 500 people there, right? Now, I'm just going to tell you what it's like in their culture, okay? I'm not saying that this is right or wrong. I'm just explaining to you what their culture was like so that you can understand it was a little different, right? So the whole place, 500, 400 people, was filled with the men only because they had the separation, right? So this was not the event for the women. This was the event for the men, right? And so we come, and there's about 12 of us, half men, half women, and we decide, the women are like, you know, we're just going to stand on the outside with some of the other women that are watching from the outside. So they're way in the back. So they're like, we're trying to be appropriate and everything, right? So it's like not good for us to stand outside with the women, although that was kind of maybe our natural inclination. So we're going to move in, but we're just going to sit in the back, right? We're just going to sit in the back so that we're close to the other people from things. And we're not going to try because everybody was seated according to honor. So on the stage, there was like about 25 seats, and the most important people were on the stage, Right? Like, like if that was here today, it would be, you know, Molly and Claire back there behind the curtain. You know, the Wizard of Oz back there. They'd be like the most important people. Like, they, they were up here. And, and the whole ceremony was people bringing up envelopes full of money to give to the bride and groom. Right? And how much you gave. Was how, so there's all these places of honor. And then we found out that every seat from the front to the back was based on honor that you had. How important you were in the community. Right? So just like this parable, we're sitting in the back. But then people notice that we're a little different. Because we're white, and there wasn't many people around there. And they know that we must be from another country, right? And, and a lot of people come from France. It was a French colony, so they think we're French until they start talking to us in French. And we're like, we don't understand what you're saying. Oh, you're Americans then, you know? And so then because we were guests, because we were from another country, they moved us up to the front. It was just like that parable. It was like, we sat in the back, like, we're going to take the least place of honor. Like, no, 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 you need to come up to the front. And they put chairs up right here in the front by the stage facing out. And so we had to sit there, like, we couldn't get on the stage. Let's keep it real now, right? Right? It wasn't that kind of thing. It was like, we're not going to put you on the stage, you know. You, but we're going to give you a space right up front. And then and we sat down, and they started bringing us food. <laughs> like plates of food and like cans of Coke. And it's like, oh, man, this is the bomb. This is the place to sit, man. They're up here in the front row. Because you, you felt like the snacks got worse as they got to the back, you know, like the really good food was up front and then the snacks got worse. As I'm just telling you how it is. I don't know, right? So we sat up there and I kind of experienced that, that, right? That I felt like if we had tried to go up front, like Jesus said, they'd be like, nah, 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 nah. You don't understand what's going on here. You don't understand this. But because we sat way in the back, you know, they gave us a place, not all the way up front, but up front, right? And, and, and it, what was so cool was that it was such an honor to have someone from America attend the wedding. So on John's behalf, remember the guy that was crippled, that, that, that was outcast by society? On his behalf, we brought honor to him by representing him at this wedding. And it was just an amazing experience, right? So then um, I got to tell you just one more little part of the experience, all right? So all of the men, the older men, like from the old, it started with the oldest and then it went down, you know. All the old men got up and they said they're going to do the cane dance. I'm like, what is a cane dance? So they all started walking around in a circle, like if they just started circling this whole place. And they all had on their robes and the hat, right? Now, I was the only one in my group with that hat, right? So we're sitting down, and, you know, I was looking the flyest, of course. And I had my hat on, right? And I had my shirt on. You know, and some people I travel with, you know, they just throw on jeans and a polo. It's like, come on, I can't take you anywhere. But anyhow, we're just all sitting there. Right? I say this to say, I think that's the reason why they asked me to dance with them. 
It could have been because I was old, but I wasn't that old back then. But they asked me to dance with them, and I'm like, oh, man. And it was a simple dance. I knew I could do it because I watched them. All they did was they all had canes, and they walked around, and they put the cane up, and they twist it, and they put the cane down. Oh, twist, put it down. I'm like, I can do that. So I started walking with them, you know, and I had the hat on, and, I'm, and people are getting excited, and they're shaking my hand and saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, you honor us by being here. They were so excited, you know, that I was up there doing the dance with them. And I felt like I was living out in this parable of what Jesus said, you know, that in the world there's all this system of honor, right? There's this system of value that we give to people, right? And some people are more honored, and therefore they're considered more valuable than other people, right? And, and so we live that out. And Jesus is trying to teach his followers. He's trying to teach us even today. You can't be like that. You can't be like the world. You can't be like the world system. But you need to understand, instead of trying to get ahead, you should be trying to get down and serve one another. Jesus Christ said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus Christ came to serve you. Jesus Christ gets down and he washes your feet metaphorically, just like he washed his disciples' feet. He died on the cross for you, right? Amen. Because Jesus humbled himself, the Bible says, and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And the Bible says that we should try as much as we can by the help of God to follow his example and to humble ourselves and to not be always trying to get ahead. But honor's tricky, isn't it? Honor's a tricky thing. Because the Bible teaches us first that we should honor our mother and father, right? But what about when our moms and pops aren't deserving or worthy of that? And it gets tough, doesn't it? We're told when if we're married to honor our spouse. But what if they aren't deserving of honor in that moment? We're told to honor those in charge of us, right? Our bosses, whoever. But sometimes that's hard because they're not worthy of it, right? And, and so we realize that there are people that will sometimes twist this and use it to keep people being oppressed. Right, to say, oh, well, you're supposed to be a Christian, you're supposed to be humble, don't speak up, don't say anything. And what they do is they use it as a tool to maintain this worldly system. Remember, the main point is that Jesus is intending to upend the worldly system, the schemes and plans of Satan, right? So it doesn't mean that we use this verse on other people to try to keep them down because the truth of the verse is found in what Jesus said at the end of that section. He said, those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted not by their own effort but by God. I love how the writer Paul puts it in the book of Philippians. He says in Philippians chapter 2 verse 3, humility, value others above yourself. And I think that's a better word for us today, value. Because honor is tricky. I'm just being honest. Honor is a, a fine word, but it's tricky in this day and age. I think valuing other people is where we can enter into this story in this day and age. Because every single person has value. And we need to honor that value that God places in every single person, right? So there's two sides to this point. There's two sides to this message. And it's for two different groups of people today. And that's one of the things that has changed today. And let me tell you, friends, in the church and in Christianity is that we can't preach just one message to everybody. Because I got people sitting right here in this room from different backgrounds, from different families, from different cultures, right? And so each of you needs to hear a different side of this coin this morning. So I say that to say, listen carefully, right? And don't put on somebody else what God has said for you. Oh, <laughs> wow. Wow, right? Don't put on somebody else what God has said for you. So I'm being faithful. I'm just asking God, what are you saying to us? What are you saying to us on both sides of the coin? First of all, if you exalt yourself, you'll be humbled, right? 
That me, and then if, if you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. Actually, let me start on the other side. Everyone has value. But some of us, some of you, not me, some of you have been devalued by society. You have been told that you have no value. You have been told that you are not made in the image of God, that you are less than, that you are not as worthy, that you are not as valuable because of the color of your skin, because of your gender, because of your sexual orientation, because of your economic level. And for those of you who have been undervalued, and for those of you who have been uh, pushed down by those who have exalted themselves, you need to hear today that you have value. That God values you, that you are made in the image of God. Amen. Yeah, I'll clap for you. No, you don't clap for me. I'll clap for you. Because I need to value you above myself. I need to give you honor. I need to give you respect and dignity. I need to give you your place. And God is doing that, friends. God is doing that work in this day and age. God is taking those who are oppressed and those who have been put down. And God himself is raising them up. And, oh, friends, let us not stand in the way. Of what God is doing. Because on the other side of the coin, there's people like myself that have enjoyed privilege. Because my skin happened to be white. Because I'm a male. Because I might have a certain, you know, economic level. You know, again, whatever it is. I might have an education. You know, there are certain things that give us advantages in this society that we've created. Remember, I've spoken on it before. For 500 years, the church, both the Catholics and the Protestants, taught that people without white skin were not fully made in the image of God. That is such a lie. Everyone is made in the image of God, right? But those of us who have enjoyed, maybe we've been overvalued. So some of us have been undervalued. Some of us have been overvalued. And if we've been overvalued, we need to not think so highly of ourselves, right? We need to not think that, oh, I'm here because of my hard work. We need to stop worrying about who's honoring us and who's respecting us and whatever and just say, you know what? Christ calls me to humble myself because if I'm all about exalting myself, I will be humbled. Amen? And I speak that word prophetically into the atmosphere today. And people, are, I'm not the only one speaking it. That every single person who is exalting themselves. And there are people in places and positions of power who are exalting themselves at this very moment. At the expense of others. God says you will be humbled. Because I am the Lord your God. And God is about, equality is a tricky word. Maybe unity is better. God's about bringing everyone together in unity. And that means at certain times, certain people need to be raised up, right? And at other times, certain people need to be brought down. But we've got to trust God's work. See, when we try to do it ourselves, we get sideways, right? We get into all kinds of things that we don't understand. We get into all kinds of emotions, right? We, we start to, what do they say, start to feel some kind of way, right, about ourselves, right? We, we, we start to get, we start to not know what to do. But when we allow God's work, we realize that in humility... We need to value everyone as important in the eyes of God. And God is raising up some who've been humbled. And God is humbling some who've been exalted. Because God desires that we come together in unity. That we have true humility. So humility is not, you know, putting yourself down. Humility is recognizing that God is the God of all. And that we're all God's children. And that if we all just kind of... Stop fighting with each other and took each other's hand and looked to God. We'd have a better perspective on life. And Jesus is like, using this parable, say, all you guys are just, you're worried about honor. You're worried about respect. You're worried about recognition. When he says, listen, don't worry about that because I got you. I got you. I got you. And I'm making things right. And it's a slow process, but God is indeed making things right. 
It's what God talks about when he says the, the last will be first and the first will be last. You remember that? The last will be first and the first will be last. And he, and he tells this really great parable, this story, right, that I want to share with you. He says that um, imagine that there's a landowner. He owns a vineyard, right, right? And uh, he needs some workers. So he goes out to the street and he sees people standing around looking for work. Man, did you, I, I'm just impressed that that kind of thing is like thousands of years old. Because even when I grew up, I mean, still today, right? There were places where if you needed to work for the day, you'd go, right? And you'd wait to work. Now we probably got offices and places you can go. But you would go and you could go and you could work. I remember, you know, when I was in college living in Denver, Colorado, man, we knew the places where if you had a pair of boots, you know, you could go and you could work for a day and get paid that day, you know, if you didn't have a job. So these were the day laborers, you know, that would stand there and they'd be waiting for people to hire them for work. So the owner goes out early in the morning, it says, and he gets some workers for the field. And then it says he goes back at 9 a.m. and sees some other people standing around and gets some more workers. So what that tells me is that when he went out early, it was early, early, because it was before 9 a.m., and that's early, right? So he went out, he got some people. And when he went to the first people, he said, listen, I'm going to pay you the day's wage, a denarius. A day's wage today is anywhere from like 70 to $90, you know, kind of in that range. He said, that's what I'm going to pay you. You're going to work today, and I'm going to pay you the day wage. They're like, good, we're good with that, let's go. So they went to work. And when he went back out at 9 a.m., you know, probably to get his coffee and donut, whatever. He saw some other people, and he's like, all right, are you guys coming to work too? And I'll, I'll pay you what's right. They're like, all right, we're good. You know, we'll do it. And then he goes back out at noon, right, because he's hungry and you got to have lunch, right? And he sees some more people, and he's like, all right, you come and you work in my field as well. And then he goes out at 3 o'clock because, I don't know, it was siesta, coffee break, something was happening at 3. He had to go back out, right? He sees more people, people still standing there that haven't been hired by other people. People starting to feel left out. He's like, man, come and work. I'll let you work for the day, right? And then he goes back out at 5 o'clock because it's dinner time. Dude's hungry. He's got to keep himself fed. And he, he, he sees still, he says, you still haven't. They said, well, no one's hired us. He's like, come. Come work in my field, right? And they work for just an hour till 6 o'clock because they're done. And then the owner goes to his foreman. He says, listen, everybody's going to line up. My foreman's going to pay you. He's going to give you, you know, your day's wages. So the people that were hired last, the one-hour people, the five o'clock people, the last-minute people, right, they're first in line. He said, start with them and then work your way back to those that I got first that I made the agreement with. And they're like, okay. So he tells the foreman what to give him. And the foreman gives the last people the day's wage. He gives them the $80, like what he promised the people for working the whole day. And the people working the whole day are at the end of the line, and they're like, oh, snap. Those people that worked an hour got 80 bucks? Yo, he must be fixing to give us something good, right? And so then they go to the next group of people that work just three or four hours. He gives them $80. And then the people that came at noon, he gives $80. And then the people that came at nine, he gives $80. And the people in the back are like, what is going on? Everybody's getting the same. So they come up, and he says, here's your $80. And they're grumbling, and they're complaining, and they're like, how is this fair? You gave those last people the same amount that you gave to us, and we worked all day long. We worked hard for this, right? We bore the burden of the day and the heat of the sun, they said. Oh, they had time to prepare their sermon, didn't they? <laughs> they waited in that line a long time. Said, we bore the burden of the day and the heat of the sun, and you gave those cats that worked one hour, $80, and you're giving us the same thing. It's not fair. And the owner steps up and says, excuse me, did you not work what we agreed upon? And I'm giving you what I told you I would give you. How am I not being fair? I want to pay everyone the same. Don't I have the right 
to do with my own life what I want to do? And here's the kicker. Or are you envious because I'm generous? Are we envious because God is generous? Are we envious because God is generous? Because God is generous in a way that is scandalous. God is generous in a way that's not fair, but is according to the overwhelming love of God that he has. You see, God can do what God wants to do. And no one gets left out. No one lacks. But those who think that they worked harder for it feel like they should get more. And because God chooses to be gracious to even those that got hired at the end of the day, do we get envious because God is generous? You see, you understand that God wants us to be generous like he is generous. And that brings us to the second part of the passage that my wife read for us this morning. So Jesus said, first of all, don't be trying to get positions of honor. Humble yourself. Let God exalt you. And if you have exalted yourself, allow God, you know, to do his work in you. But then he says, suppose you're going to give a luncheon or a dinner, right? So suppose you're going to invite people over. And your first inclination is to invite, you know, all your friends, all the rich people, all the important people, right? And Because you want to, you know, have this dinner and get recognition. But instead, why don't you invite the poor, the lame, the crippled, and the blind? Because they can't pay you back. But if you do that, your reward in heaven will be great. Amen? So the first principle of generosity is that we give without expecting to get anything back. Amen? We give without expecting to give anything back. And we don't, you know, the world doesn't do that. The world charges interest, right? I mean, we expect something back. How often do we give to somebody and we expect to be paid back, right? And sometimes with interest. At least that's how the world works, right? But God doesn't charge interest. We do that. Or if we don't expect the money back, we expect something back, right? Like some gratitude, right? Oh, I'm getting into somebody's business today, aren't I, right? It's like, oh, I'm just giving out of the freedom of my heart and because I love you. And when they don't send you a thank you note, you're like, ooh, that's it. I ain't giving them no more money, right? <laughs> but that's how we operate. We expect people to somehow give us appreciation, acknowledgement, recognition. Uh, we, we expect when we give to those who are less fortunate than us, right, that they somehow will prove that they were worthy of what we gave to them, you know, by displaying the proper attitude. And like, no, 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 no. God's like, why don't you give to people who have no way of giving back to you? And why don't you just do it to be generous the way I am generous, the way I freely give without any strings attached, without any expectations, but that I'm generous. So God wants us to be humble, and God wants us to be generous. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, does everyone have a place at our table? You know, when we think about that, right, in our lives, I'm not just talking about being generous with our money, but being generous with our time. Because if you're going to share a meal with somebody, right, you're going you're gonna to buy the food and everything, you're going to spend some money, but you're also setting aside time, right, time that you might normally spend doing something else. If you're going to sit down to a meal with somebody, right, you're going to be generous with your time. And if you give them dignity and honor and respect, you're being generous with that. You're being generous in valuing them, right? So there's a generosity of life that we need to have. Does everyone have a place at your table? Or are there, is there room at your table? Or do you do operate with a mentality of scarcity that I better hold on to what I got or I'm going to lose it? Or do I operate with a mentality of generosity that even what I have, though it may be very little, I can give because God is faithful to supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. 
and uh, God wants us to be generous. But here's why he puts those two things together. Because if we're generous without being humble, it's just another form of self-righteousness. Let me say that again. If we're generous without being humble, it's just another form of self-righteousness. I love the story that Jesus tells, right? Or that the Gospels tell about Jesus. I mean, this is, this is one that like actually happened, right? Jesus is with his disciples and they're at the temple, right? They're at the place of worship, right? And in the temple, there's this box where people would put in their offerings. Some of you know this story, right? Amen. And what was happening, the rich people, the important people, they were bringing large bags of money and they were showing off, look at all this money. Oh, I can barely carry it. Oh, my bag's big. Oh, look how bad my bag. It's a Louis Vuitton bag, you know this, right? I got all this gold, you know, that I'm going to pour into. They're making a big show of it. They want the attention and recognition of everyone else. They're doing their generosity without humility, and it's just a form of self-righteousness. And God's like, I don't even need it. You think I need your money? You think I need all of that? Man, I want your heart, and your heart is so far from me. I imagine that they're like writing on those big checks, you know, and signing their names so everybody can see their name. Oh, look at all the zeros I put after this, right? And then after that, along comes a widow that nobody knows, that doesn't have it like that. And it says that she took two copper coins worth barely a penny, and she drops them in with no fanfare. No, she's probably trying not to be noticed, right? Because you know how it is when we don't have it like that. We get embarrassed. We get shy. We don't, want pe- we don't necessarily want to draw attention to ourselves. And after these dudes dropped in these big bags of money, I can see her saying, I, this is all I got. It's nowhere near what they're giving. And Jesus, the, one who, the ones who are looking for attention, get ignored by Jesus. The one who is not seen by anybody is seen by Jesus. And you want to know what gets t- Jesus' attention? It's humility and generosity come back again. And so therefore, and we know about what she did here some 2,000 years later. Because that was so, God, it, it attracted God's attention. And God said, look, she put in more than anybody else because she put in all that she had. He's like, man, that's the person that I honor. The first will be last, and the last will be first. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. And it's often seen in our generosity and the way that we treat other people, which comes from the way that we treat ourselves. So we have to remember, if you're in one of those positions where God is raising you up in this moment, and let me say, God is raising you up, right? You know, we don't need to preach about humility and and suffering to people that have been humbled and suffering their whole life. I need to preach to you that God is raising you up. But as he raises you up, seek to be humble and generous as God enables you. And to those of us who've enjoyed a life of privilege, God may be bringing us down a little bit. God may be saying it's time for you to just to come down from your high horse, so to speak. And as we do, let us learn the lessons of humility and let us not give up our generosity, right? It's not that God wanted those people to stop giving, right? Because as a pastor today, we'd be like, oh, wait a minute, Jesus. (laughs) That check with all the zeros, that would go a long way. (laughs) It's not that God doesn't want us to give. But he wants us to give with a generous heart and not seek attention for ourselves, right? But seek to glorify God. And that's where God is bringing us all together in equality. And giving is for everyone. And this is the last point I want to make this morning before we have a time of prayer and self-reflection. Giving is for everyone. You see, what's a beautiful thing is when, when you can receive something from the poor 
Every once in a while, the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame, they get to throw the dinner. They get to throw the luncheon. And sometimes they don't feel like they ever get that opportunity. Like they're always on the receiving end, but they don't get the opportunity to give. And I've had the privilege by God of being able to travel all around this world and to encounter people that are much less than I do living here in America. And they put together a meal, and they feed me, and I'm the guest. And in that instance, my friends, my receiving becomes giving. Because it allows them to be in the position of honor. It allows them to be in the position of power. I humble myself and receive from them. It's such a powerful, beautiful thing to do. So giving is for everyone. It's for the widow who had nothing, right? It's for everyone. Sometimes the crippled, the lame, and the blind get to give the, the meal. And if we ever get that opportunity, we need to come and to receive from those because when we do, we are humbling ourselves, we are honoring them, and it becomes a beautiful, beautiful thing when receiving becomes giving. I had just one example to share of this. When I was traveling in El Salvador several years ago, and we were walking out in the, the countryside, not the city, in a rural area, and we're walking along dirt roads, and we're visiting homes, and uh, we're just, you know, trying to greet them, share with them, and, and invite them to, to the church. And what we were doing at the church, which was just up the hill, in, in this rural area. And we came upon this house where there was a lot of activity and I can see that they're making something on the side and there's this old woman that's sitting down in the chair making tamales. And this woman, I, I, I kid you not, was like 155 years old. I mean, she was the oldest woman that I've ever seen in my entire life and she's putting together these tamales, right? And I come up and my first thought, right, is like, I like tamales. <laughs> My second thought is, my wife likes tamales more, but she's not here. Is there any way I can get these tamales on a plane back? So I started thinking about all these things. Like, I want to buy her tamales. Like, I want to I support her. I want to, you know, I want to give. I want to give to this woman, right? Because she, she's blessing me. She's such a, and, and it wasn't about that at all. In fact, I found out that if I were to offer to buy her tamale, it would have been offensive to her. Because as a guest in her village, she wanted to give me a tamale. She gave me a tamale, and I realized at that moment I had to humble myself and receive. And my receiving became giving to her the honor and respect that was due her for who she was. And I took that tamale, and I received it. And brothers and sisters, it was a delicious tamale. <laughs> I received it. There was no way it was going to make it home to my wife. I told myself, it's not going to last, right? It's not going to last on the plane. I'm just going to have to enjoy it right here on this day, right? When receiving becomes giving is when we get that, that rare opportunity, but that beautiful opportunity to receive something from those who normally aren't in that position to give. So, friends, I believe that God wants us to cultivate humility and generosity in our lives. Cultivate, you know what that means, right? It's like when you plant something, right? You clear out the rocks, you clear out the, the weeds, you prepare it, you get it ready. You put the seed in the soil, but then God's the one who makes it grow. As it starts to grow, you tend to it, right? You water it. You nurture it. You nurture what is the good growth, and you get rid of the bad growth in your life. That's the cultivation. But it's God who makes it grow. It's God who does this in us, right? It's not, we don't do it ourselves. In fact, with humility, you know that right off the bat, right? Because how can you say, oh, look what I've done. I've made myself so humble. <laughs> right? Just, just from the outset, you know it's not something you can do, right? And if you're just giving, giving, giving out of your own strength, then it's just self-righteousness. It's not the kind of generosity that God wants from us. So we need to cultivate these things in our life. So I want to give you some ideas of how you can do that, all right? 
And this is not exhaustive, meaning this isn't a complete list. You may hear something else from God's spirit. You may come up with another idea. But I want each one of us to begin to cultivate humility and generosity wherever we come from, right? Hear the message that God is saying to you because it's not exactly the same message for everyone. But uh, for humility, stop looking for likes. I'm going to use a little social media imagery, right? Stop looking for the likes. Stop going back and seeing how many likes you got because it's not about that. Do it. Don't post it. We're often not present in the moment because as soon as we start to take a picture, we're thinking about later on in the future, someone who needs to see this or what they're going to think about it instead of being present in the moment to just experience it. Not everything you do needs to be on Instagram. Oh, preacher, preach that to myself. All right? Not everything that I do needs to be posted up. Do it, don't post it. Treat people well. Treat people well. Hopefully God is moving in your heart. How can you value others in your life? above yourself or equal to yourself or how can you raise the value of others how about raising the value in your own life treat yourself well if you want to treat other people well according to what god says about you flat out you need to start giving money give some money to people and don't expect anything back how about your time give your time to people and don't expect anything back invite someone to your table is there room at your table for everyone is there room at your table for what the world calls the least of these but whom Jesus says is the greatest in the kingdom of God. Receive something from the poor, whatever that is. Be willing to receive something from someone that everyone else would say they have nothing to give, right? Everyone has something to give. Everyone has something to give. I'm telling you, people who don't have the paper money or the coin money, sometimes their wisdom is the most valuable wisdom that I've ever come across. Sometimes their word of encouragement is the most powerful word of encouragement that I've ever seen. And, and, and some people that can't give even to the church that are part of this community, your prayers for me and for this church are worth far more than words. You have something to give. And keep giving. And generosity, I believe, friends, is giving until God tells you to stop giving. Can I get an amen? So give your money until God tells you to stop. Give your time until God tells you to stop. And he will. He puts a pause every seven days. He says, take a day of rest. He puts a pause on every activity because there are times we need to stop and rest for a minute. And as soon as it kicks up again, he says, all right, now it's time. I want you to start giving again. I want you to start spending time with people. I want you to invite someone. I know you've given up on them, but I haven't, so so try another season, all right? Do something without anybody knowing about it. Do your giving in secret, right? Don't let people know about it. Do something that nobody knows about. Treat people well to the best of your ability, amen? Can we just take a moment of prayer? And let's just ask God how he wants us to cultivate humility and generosity in our lives this morning. Amen. Just listen to what the Spirit is telling you this morning.
need to hear today that you have value about God and who that is. If you've been devaluing in any way, shape, or form, let the Spirit speak to you. You have value because you're made in the image of God. God is in the process of making you like himself, like himself. If you're on the other side and God is calling you to set aside some things, Start treating other people with value and giving them respect. Hear that word. Say yes to God. Say, yes, God, I will. I'm going to raise the people up. I'm not going to speak my name out of my own accolades. Would you ask him to give you a spirit of generosity? Because giving is for everyone. Those who have bags of gold and those who have just two small coins. Giving is for everyone. Ask God to give you a spirit of generosity. Father God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, only you can do this work, God. We cannot bring this about in our own strength and our own wisdom, God, but only by your spirit, God. Only by your spirit can we become the people that you've created us to be, God, who are full of your goodness and love and light. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus wants to love you and give you the kind of life that you've always dreamed of, the kind of life that begins now and never ends. So if you need to receive Jesus Christ today, Jesus said no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what you've done, if you believe in me that I died on the cross for your sins and rose again from the grave, you will receive eternal life, life that begins now and never ends. If you need to do that, would you just quietly in your heart just say, Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and rose again from the grave. Jesus, I receive you into my life. Simple as that. You just got to mean that with your heart. And you will receive the Holy Spirit of generosity. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <coughs> Trust your life to God. Some of you have been trusting in yourself. Would you say, God, I trust you with my life, everything. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your work on the cross. Hallelujah. I'm just going to let the Spirit continue to work with people in this place. Just speaking to you right now. you to stay in this place if the Spirit is speaking to you, okay? Just continue in prayer where you're at. Don't, don't move yet until God's done speaking to you. But I want to give you an opportunity as you're ready to do something a little different today. I believe that in valuing others above ourselves, that many of us are, are carrying burdens for other people today. There's other people that we're praying about, other people that we care about. I believe that today I want to do an altar call for us to pray for someone else. Normally we do an altar call to pray for yourself, but that's what you're receiving right now. So if you need to stay in that place, stay in that place. 
But if you have someone that you care about, someone you love, someone that's on your heart, someone that you want to pray for, I'm going to invite you to come forward this morning on behalf of someone else. This morning, it's not about you, it's for someone else. And if you want to pray by yourself, just stand in the middle. If you want to pray with Pastor Angel or myself, we'll be on the side. But would you just in this moment come forward and stand before the Lord if you want to pray for someone else, amen? And again, we're going to let the people stand in the middle who want to pray by themselves. And if you want to pray with someone, Angel and I will be on the sides this morning, amen?